Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast, Paul's 50 years of sporting memories. In this podcast, I will talk about my favourite sporting memories over the past 50 years with my good friend Glenn. It covers a wide range of sports and the triumphs and heartaches along the way. In each episode, we will go back in time to talk about my memories from a particular year. This is Paul Tonner. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Paul's 50 Years of Sporting Memories. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. How's your sporting week been, Glenn? Oh, it's been good. Yeah. I went down to visit the folks down near Port Macquarie saying that they, they let us over the border now. So I got to catch up with them and saw some old mates. And How'd, how'd you go getting back over into Queensland? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as long as I saw the piece of paper on the, the yeah. desk, they didn't worry. But I, I don't, the uh, the police officer didn't look, look too happy about having to do it. Oh, I Standing there yeah. for so long. And, yeah, I had to go uh, down the Tweed yesterday and, yeah. yeah, oh, gosh, the traffic. Just trying to, you know, coming back. And I still had the piece of paper on my car. Yeah. The border pass and yeah. still had to wait a long while. yeah. <laughs> Got over eventually. Yeah, but it's all, yeah. it, it's all dual carriage all the way down now. It, mm. took, it took me four and a half hours. Yeah, that's dro- good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, four and a half hours, yeah. that's great. Yeah, but I just got north of um, Kempsey. Yeah. And there's a big Western Star truck behind me. Mm. Yeah, with a big, big <laughs> metal grill and a deep sounding motor. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying to myself, you'll either pass me or yeah. run over me. Just get it over and done with. It's like the old movie Jewel, eh? Remember yeah. that from the 70s? Yeah. Oh, it's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. interesting having everything bypassed. Yeah, like Grafton, it's so much further bypassed mm. than I thought it would be. I thought yeah. you'd be able to duck off. Stop at Grafton and then come back in on mm. the highway, but it's, yeah. it's way off the highway now. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been down there, probably oh, three years. Yeah. And, yeah, they were still doing a lot of roadworks uh, sort of, you know, before you get in the Coffs Harbour. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of – a lot of uh, – We'll go yeah. we'll yep. yeah, we'll yeah. north. Between oh, – I think it was Kempsey and Coffs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it took up – but. Yeah, once I got that done, that was really good. That cut mm. out, that cut up between um, Port Macquarie and Coffs Harbour, it took off an hour. Yeah. What's that place? Griffith, is it? Not, not Griffith. What's a what's a place that's um, between Coffs Harbour and Ballina? There's a town. Grafton. Grafton, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. That's where I used to always stop. That was sort of me halfway mm. point. Yeah. But now you know, I had to stop at Coffs Harbour. Yeah, right. Just, there's no use driving off to find Grafton and then driving back on. Oh, I love, Co- I love, love Coffs Harbour. Yeah. yeah. Livy and I went down there on a holiday. Yeah. Oh, it was about three years ago, just before Christmas. And uh, yeah. Yeah, had a great time. So much to do there, you know. Yeah. You got the big banana and... Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful beaches and yeah. bushwalking and yeah. They they used to have this big water slide. 
That's right. Where, yeah. where, where the big shopping centre is. Yeah. And it was really tall. And we used to go there during summer times and sometimes you'd only get about three slides yeah. because it was that crowded by the time you yeah. went up and came down. <laughs> and people would stop halfway down the tube and bank people up. Yeah. And, yeah. Was that where the swimming pool was? No. Oh, yeah. No, no it's sort of where the big shopping centre is now. Yeah, right. And, but I think there's a KFC or something there now mm. on that land. But yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, um, yeah, good old Queensland Premier. <laughs> oh, she's a painful woman. It, yeah, yeah. Opens up the floodgates, lets all the spectators in for the yeah. third and deciding origin. Yeah. Still won't open the border up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, one of the guys. Uh, one of our morning announcers on the radio, he, he had a bit of a wins that they can have 40,000 people yeah. at the grand final mm. and state of origin, but he still can't drop his young son off at prep next nah. year. Nah. Nah, it's a joke. So how does that yeah. work out? Yeah. Yeah. Like this time of year, his school is where all the Queenslanders school up. People, kids finishing year 12 have a mm. big celebration. Yeah. Well, that's caught off, but Surface Paradise is still packed full of them. Yeah. They're still partying on. They're still opening up the floodgates. Yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> Suncorp Stadiums was packed the other night. Yeah. She made sure of that. Yeah. And as I predicted, yeah, Queensland would go on and win the series, what, 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 after, especially after the first game. Because – when I was away, we had State of Origin too. Mm. And I thought, because New South Wales went fairly well yeah. over Queensland. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe Paul's, nah. uh, Paul's not going to be on a win. I knew Queensland was still going to win. Yeah. The, the third and deciding game was up here. Yeah. So, and they, you know, Queensland could put in a, a C grade team and they'd still win. Yeah. You know, because they just got so much more passion. Um, you know, and it, it means so much more to them. Yeah. And as jo- Andrew John says, New South Wales, they just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see any of the, um, the women's state of origin? Uh, a little bit of it. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, they touched touched Queens, uh, New South Wales up in that too. Yeah. Gee. I'll tell you what. I thought, well, if the if the if the boy if the ma- <coughs> oh, gone blank uh, if the state of origin of Queensland doesn't win the final one, mm. they're going to be shamed by the girls yeah. because the girls of Queensland just absolutely yeah. slaughtered yeah. New South Wales, which was apparently that was the first time mm. in the last three or four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, um, it, yeah, even after the second game, you know, in, in, like, you know, I remember I saw visions of uh, the Queensland dressing room, yeah. you know, and Wayne Bennett's, you know, he never laughs, never smiles pretty much. Yeah. But he, had, he was joking with his players and, yeah. yep, you know, he was relaxed. He knew that third game, we're at home, we'll win it. But do you th- they do, did. Do you think if, if Queensland had... Won the second game. Yeah. 
you think the final would have been as big as it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Third yeah. game's always, you know, any any game at Suncorp, yeah. the old Lang Park, yeah, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah. 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 It still means a lot for Queensland to win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, like... If you, it's it's uh, just as well it's not the other way around because if I think, you know, if New South Wales had a role and they were winning pretty much every year and they had, you know, these, oh, all these immortals playing in their side, yeah. you know, like a Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, yeah. Greg Inglis, gosh, you just go on. Yeah. The series would probably be dead now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> It'd be like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I lost interest after that first game because I knew yeah, Queensland, I knew whoever won that first game was going to win the series. Yeah. yeah. That's how important that first match is. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they tend to play one of the games now at a neutral venue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Because for a long time it used to be in Victoria. Yeah, well, they'll probably go back to that yeah. next year. Yeah. yeah, because Victoria's got a, a, a team in the rugby league. Mm. Yeah. And they're also a lot bigger sports. The Victorians are probably the biggest sports nuts in, in Australia. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Without the, question. They've got the biggest stadiums and, mm. and so much. Yeah. Yeah, that they attend to. No, definitely. Um, I've heard, you know, that they'll turn up to watch a game of tiddlywinks. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll yeah. pack out the MCG to watch a game of tiddlywinks. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but it looks like they're, they're coming good with the, the coming out of this yeah. round of lockdowns, which is good to see. Yeah, yeah well, I, um, I think it's 24 days now. There's yeah. no cases, but. Uh, had a bit of an outbreak in South Australia, unfortunately. Yeah, but but we had one before, mm. and that was contained pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've hit it pretty hard. For, yeah. yeah. So, hopefully, the first test won't be affected. No, well, yeah. I've heard that they'll they'll play there regardless. Mm. Oh, okay. They yeah. said they'll still play there even if there's no crowd. Yeah. They'll still do it because yeah. it's it's. Tradition, is it? Yeah, they generally, for years and years, they've played the first test at um, in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah, but that's sort of changed in recent years because yeah. uh, the Gabba just aren't getting the crowds, Yeah, you know. So, um, yeah, and when India come to Australia, you know, they pretty much choose wherever they want to play. Yeah. You know, and they don't want to be playing at the Gabba in November, you know, uh, with the bounce and yeah. they want to play on pitches, you know, where that suit, suit them, suit their batsmen. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, like Adelaide and Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is what money talks, mate. No, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it, it's not yeah. about the sport anymore. It's all about the... Well, they can, India control 85% of the game. Yeah. So, yep, whatever they want they get, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, but I heard uh, Virat Kohli, my mate, my little mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he might only be available for one or two tests. 
Yeah. See, his wife's having a baby. Yeah. So uh, I think he's playing the first test and then he's going back, back to India. Yeah. Yeah. I won't miss him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great, great player, but yeah. I won't miss him. But I'm sure they've got plenty of other players that fill this spot. Oh, yeah. Spot. yeah, they've got batsmen yeah. coming out of the walls. Yeah. Yeah, but they actually got a good pace attack now too. So, yeah. Yeah. But they're always going to do well in Australia because we're, we're just too nice to them, yeah. you know. They go to England and they get thrashed. Because, yeah. yeah, England's conditions are so much different. You know, yeah. you've got the Duke balls, the ball moves around a lot more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when they come to Australia, you know, yeah. Yeah, we just prepare the right wickets for them. and uh, yep. They've got the advantage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they may as well. And you watch, you know, most probably seventy percent of the crowd will be Indian yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. And would you say that we've got a similar climate to them? To India? Yeah, like it's oh, hot. Oh no, hot and no, dry. It's probably more humidity there. Yeah. Our climate's more similar to South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, why we've had a bit more success in South Africa. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because we're a bit more used to the conditions there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, okay. uh, nah, nah, especially um, the southern part of India. Yeah. The a nightmare. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this episode covers the sporting memories of the year 2001. And what a big year that was <laughs> in uh, yeah. world history. Yeah. Especially in recent history. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of a bigger year than... 2001, apart from 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I moved to uh, Parramatta. Yeah, yeah, I moved into a uh, studio unit. I yeah. bought a studio unit right in the heart of Parramatta. Yeah. And I could. I became a member of Parramatta Leagues Club. Yeah. And <laughs> I attended heaps so, of Parramatta home games. So I wonder what the little studio apartment's worth these days. Oh, gosh. Well, that was about 125000 yeah. back then. Probably was, be $1.2 million now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it was a pretty run-down sort of place. Yeah. But that's had good views, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's what it's about is the views and that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I just. The location was great. Yeah. I ended up giving up my car. Yeah, you just walked everywhere. Yeah, well, my car was just a – I had a bomb of a car. Yeah. And, yeah, it ended up just breaking down and wouldn't work anymore. Yeah. And I thought, oh, bugger this, you know. It's easy to just get trains and buses everywhere. And yeah. Paul walked a lot and I lost heaps of weight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember mum – Mum, well, my mum was really worried about me. She thought, "Oh gosh, Paul, why are you losing so much weight? What's wrong with you?" Uh, I think she thought I had cancer or something. Uh, it's because I was walking everywhere, uh, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the big event that happened in two thousand and one, of course, was the September eleven terrorist attacks uh, or nine eleven, and boy, did that change our way of life. So. Yeah, I remember when it happened, I was uh, lying in my bed there in my studio unit, yeah. watching my favourite documentary. What was that? <laughs> Muhammad Ali one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We Were Kings. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, yep, all of a sudden, news flash and mm. this apparently, uh, this was just after the second plane hit. Yeah. So they didn't really know too much about what was happening then. They were no. saying, oh, you know, two planes have hit the World Trade Centre. Yeah. Um, but we didn't, you didn't really know, you know, how big these planes were. I thought, oh, they might be just, you know, light aircrafts or something. Yeah. Oh, boy, did it all happen after that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, basically, yeah. So it was four coordinated terrorist attacks by al-Qaeda, the Islamic terrorist group, against the US. Yeah. It's 2,977 deaths. So you had two planes, so you had the American Airlines, yeah. and then 18 minutes later a United Airlines plane yeah. crashed into the World Trade Centre. Yeah. So the first one crashed into the North Tower. Yeah. The second one, um, which, you know, where there was a lot of live coverage around the world, that was into the South Tower. Yeah. But it was the South Tower that collapsed first. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, basically it collapsed because of the way it was. I saw a, a documentary. Yeah, that, that, it was the way it was built. Yeah, it, it was it just built, melted. It was, yeah, built to collapse. Yeah, yeah it, was, it just yeah. wasn't resistant to heat. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, both 110-storey 110, 110 skyscrapers crashed to the ground. Mm. I remember when that happened, I was just standing there watching the tel- television uh, and I'm just thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> like, uh, uh, to think like, and I'd only been up the top of that. Is, it, yeah. You know, you, you, like a, a year or two earlier. Yeah, you, you see the, those sort of movies around that sort of stuff. Yeah. In the past, and then you sort of see it in real life, and you thought, you don't, yeah. What's, yeah, is this, is this real or? You don't think, uh, well, yeah. I, th- I thought I was dreaming. I just thought, this can't be real. This, yeah. this, this isn't happening. You yeah. Know? Look, I've got photos here of when I went and, yeah, when I went to the World Trade Center. Yeah. On my trip in 1999, and just incredible views up there. Yeah, and they've rebuilt, they've put a new tower in there now and I'd love to go back there one day and have a look. Apparently yeah. the memorial they've set up, they've built there is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very sad, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful how they've, they've done it. Yeah. To, um, you know, to, in memory of all the, uh, the victims. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but there was also an American Airlines plane that crashed into the Pentagon yeah. in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, and then you had another flight, a United flight that was hijacked. They actually made a movie on this. Yeah. Um, and what happened, see, I don't know what it is in America. Like, you know, they call it, you know, we call them mobile phones, but over there they call them cell phones. Okay. Uh, but, but, well, that is actually the correct name. Yeah. Because they work for a cellular tower. Mm. But we call them mobile phone towers, but they don't actually move. Yeah. But it's a cellular yeah. communication. So the right. way they pronounce it is actually the correct yeah. way of doing it. But we use a mobile, but use mobile phones because they're mm. mobile. Yeah. Yeah. But why are they allowed – how can they talk on their mobile phones when they're on the plane where we can't? <laughs> like, but 
That's again, it's all, it's all, it's all really myth. Yeah. If you use a mobile phone on a plane, yeah, they reckon it interferes with the computer. Oh yeah. On the plane, and and the reception between the the plane and the satellites. Mm. But for that to happen, you have to be on the same frequency. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that they, you know, satellites and planes use a lot lower frequency. Mm. So, so, unless you got frequencies that are close together, yeah, you can have interference. But but the further the frequency away is away, the less it mm. will interfere. Yeah. That. That's why we brought they brought in digital TV, yeah. So that yeah, and then eventually AM will be moved out because they're giving the the low end of the spectrum to the defence force, right? Yeah, you know, like you can shoot you can shoot the one hertz signal that like the submarines use from one side of the earth to the other, but yeah, you know, as we go. High end frequency, it has more resistance to atmospheric conditions, mm. so we need more towers. Yeah, uh, that's why the um, yeah, the I believe that the five G is going to be a bit of a flop in Australia. Yeah, is that because yeah, really because our conditions? Mm. Because yeah. being high in the frequency band, yeah, when we get hot weather. And even the wind, mm. the, the, you'll lose the signal if yeah. we've got strong winds. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, with communication, especially when we're getting cyclones and heavy winds, you won't be able to communicate with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've noticed that around here. Yeah. It's windy. Yeah, the signal seems to drop off a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but 2001 was a... Mm. When we first started to get digital TV, oh, was it? And it happened mainly yeah. in the in the state capitals. Oh, right. Yeah, the old. Um, That's right. Yeah. Desktop box came out. Yeah. I was spewing because uh, I'd I'd pay TV. Yeah, and it was analog. And then yeah. when it became digital, I had to get rid of it. Yeah. Because uh, the price skyrocketed <laughs> overnight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, when um, you know, the you know, set top box came in before we had digital TVs available. They were available, but they were just so expensive, mm. like fifteen grand. Jeez. That that yeah. had a TV that had a built-in. Yeah. Yeah, most of them were plasma or LCD. Yeah. So. It's, yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, yeah, but the thing is, what we've got 20 times more channels, but mm. still bugger all on. Yeah, that's right. I've noticed that. Yeah. Like, I never watch those bloody, all those nine gem and nine go and. Yeah, well, well it, even the ones that they're bringing in now, yeah. I sort of go. They're just making up stuff to put yeah. up there. You wouldn't even know what's on. And a lot of these channels are just advertising, yeah. aren't they? Well, yeah. I, well I, I watched that 
that like sev- preview and and stuff like that. I watch mm. all the old shows yeah. instead of what's what's on yeah. lately. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but we also had the Black Christmas flight fires. Oh, yep. At the end of two thousand and one, that yep. started on Boxing Day. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. Yep. Yeah. That's right. There was yeah. Quite, yeah. That got into the Blue Mountains too. I remember. Yeah. 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 It was this. Yeah. Christmas. Actually, Christmas Eve. Mm. It all started. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and it ran for yeah, you know, Clarence Valley, Blue Mountains, mm. Shoalhaven on the south coast of New South Wales. Because we're worried about one of my sisters. She lived yeah. in uh, Winmalee. Yeah. Yeah, and she was, her house was right on the firing line there. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, even the Shire, where I'm originally from, Yeah. it, it was all around there. Oh, yeah, in the National yeah. Park. Yeah, Lane Cove yeah. National mm. Park, the yep. Royal National Park. Mm. Yeah, like where Captain Cook landed. The national part there, it burnt. Yeah. All it burnt out, yeah. All the stuff that had been there, come in, yeah, put there the yeah. show about the the landing of Captain Cook. All right. That had been all taken out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, just going back to the, uh, the flight that was hijacked, yeah, the passengers learned learned of these events that were taking place in New York and Washington all via their cell phones. Yeah. Yeah, they had family and friends ringing up and, yeah, yeah. And, um, there was a group of passengers and flight yeah. attendants and they just got together and planned to try and take these hijackers yeah. out. Yeah, because yeah, wasn't that fourth plane to fly to the target? A lot further away. That's right, yeah. So, I think it was uh, aimed, well, I think it, its aim was to go into the White House. Yeah. But it crashed in uh, a farm yeah. in Pennsylvania yeah. Yeah, in a field. So, yeah, I remember watching a movie about it and, uh, you know, it was very heroic what those uh, passengers yeah. and the crew did. Yeah. Yeah, so, but... Oh, it was just amazing. Like, I saw a do- there was a documentary. I don't know whether you saw it. It was these two French um, cameramen, yeah. and they made a film about a rookie New York fireman. Yeah. And they were, you know, they were filming for yeah. oh, about a month or two before nine eleven happened, and you know, it was just turning into a dud. Cause, yeah. You know. There was just nothing happening, and they were just—I yeah. think they were just about to pull a pin on it all because it was just getting too boring. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one day, they go out, you know, to go and put out you know, just a normal job at around eight thirty in the morning, just yeah. to go put a—I a, think it was like a, an oil leak, yeah. something on the street. Yeah. They just went to go put put it out, yeah. and then all of a sudden they hear this plane above them. They look and they've got on. It's the only vision yeah. of the first plane hitting. Yeah. Yeah. And these, this, um, well, with these French cameramen, one of them was back at the fire station where the other guy, the other brother, he went out and you uh, know did the filming. Yeah. And he he was the one who caught the yeah. first plane hitting. 
Yeah. And so he's he's followed these firemen. You know they've got the the call. Of, you know, yeah. yeah. The planes just hit the World Trade Center, yeah. and they saw what was going on. Yeah. Well, so they've gone the World Trade Center, and um, they've this French cameraman. He's just filmed everything happening. Yeah. And he was even filming when you know all the bodies were coming down and yeah. hitting the roof, and yeah. uh, when the the uh, the other tower c- collapsed. Yeah. yeah, so he was just, you know, running for his life and, yeah, yeah and he survived. Oh, yeah. And, oh. Yeah, apparently for memory, they, you know, with the fires, brigade rescue side of it, they, they put, out a, put out a call, page of call to all, yeah. all the firefighters, even the ones that were, mm. weren't rusted on or on. Holidays and they just brought them all in. Yeah. Well, I saw a thing on 60 Minutes. Um, this guy, he actually survived. Like the, yeah. when they, he was underneath the building when it yeah. collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. Just a miracle. And um, yeah, but it wasn't just the World Trade Center that collapsed. You had all these other buildings around yeah. the World Trade Center yeah. that were taken out. Yeah. You know, from the impact. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, one of the other major event that happened in 2001 was the, the death of the great Sir Donald Bradman. Yeah. Yeah, Australia's most famous person. Yeah. Greatest batsman ever. Yeah. And it's just incredible to think, you know, like his batting average is yeah. like about 40 yeah. More than any other batsman in history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, there weren't as many countries back then, but you got to think, like, back then they played on unprotected wickets. Yeah. Uncovered wickets, you yeah. know. So, uh... Yeah, there, there was nowhere near the, the mm. fine detail that they have today. With, oh, yeah. With dropping wickets and mm. even the surrounding fields and, yeah. and that. Yeah, he was uh, born in 1908 in Kudamundra. Yeah. Grew up in Barrel. Have you ever been to the Barrel Museum? The, uh, oh, yeah, uh, it's a uh, must. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's like my Mecca. Yeah, Mecca. <laughs> 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 well, I used to go probably every four or five years to yeah. have a look, but, yeah, and each time I went, you know, there was always extra innovation that had gone on. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful place, Barrel. I love that Southern Highlands area there, yeah. New South Wales. Yeah, we, um, we actually nearly moved there. It was a choice between Barrow and Port, yeah. and Port Macquarie. Oh, yep. Yeah, so we just, my parents were looking at a place that there, yep. an old, um, well, it was a large, like, rock mm. cottage. But, but when they went, you know, it looked fine on the pictures. Yeah. Had plenty of land and that and the big shed. But when we got when mum and dad went down there that weekend it just poured and oh, miserable. Yeah. And the place didn't look anything like in the photos. Yeah. And they just thought, nah. I think I like it so much down there because it not just, you know, because you got the Bradman Museum there, but yeah. it reminds me of that English countryside oh, yeah. when I was living in Hampshire. Yeah. It's very green and yeah, because yeah. you you know why Southport on the Gold Coast is called Southport? No, why's that? 
because wow. it's, there's a South Point in England. Oh, really? And a lot of English people settled on the Gold Coast. Oh, is that right? So they renamed Southport, mm. gave it, it that name. So the right. people from England living here yeah. would feel more home. home. I never knew that. Yeah. Jeez. I didn't know that, Yeah, until, what, probably 12 months ago. So mm. I was just okay. talking about it. There you go. Yeah. You learn something new yep, every day on Paulsport and the memories. Nice history lesson from Glenn there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, an English cricket great, Dennis Compton. He he's he quoted his quote about Sir Donald Bradman was he's not a once in a lifetime cricketer, but a once in the life of the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh yeah, you know, I've heard mixed things about Sir Donald Bradman. Yeah. You know, I've heard that he was the main reason why World Series cricket started because he was, you know, well, head of the ACB pretty much and yeah. wouldn't give the players any pay rises yeah. and sort of kept – it was like he kept the money to himself. Yeah, but, yeah, well, according to that, that movie that, that, that was done mm. with, about Kerry Packer – and the World Series cricket, that how much effort Don Bradman tried to stop it. Oh yeah, from yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, no. So um, like I think even in the movie that that Kerry Packer went over to England to talk to the board, mm. and Don Bradman was there. Oh, was he? Yeah, because he yeah. Found, he found out that. Kerry was going over, mm. and he just went over there, yeah, just to you know get the board to go. Nah, yeah, it's not right. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so imagine if if um, Donald Bradman's looking down us now. Yeah, I wonder what he would be thinking now that we've got the big bash and oh yeah, and women's cricket and it's all <laughs> over the place and it's on pay TV. Awareness plus to yeah. all over the place. That's right. So I wonder what he would be thinking now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ever watch that ABC um, Cricket in the 70s documentary? Yeah. And it's Ian Chappell talks about the time where he goes into a meeting with um, the Australian Cricket Board, you know, to try and get a bit of a pay rise for the players. Yeah. So they're getting paid bugger all. Yeah. You know, Barely getting paid a couple of hundred dollars for a test match. Yeah, yeah, good. And yeah. they're playing in front of packed crowds and you know, top of their profession. And you know, they weren't asking for much, really. Uh-huh. You know, and Ian Chapel would go there and have a meeting with the board, and you know, Sir Donald Bradman would just sit back in his chair and go, "No, son, you can't have that. Yeah. No, son, you can't have that." Yeah, yeah because like. When he was playing cricket in his peak, you know, his, during his time, they, yeah. they sort of took the ship yeah. from Australia to England. It took a couple of months. That's right. But now, you know, they're flying all over the place. Yeah. And, and even you know, in Shane Warne's early career, Mm. He used to have to deliver pizzas on the weekend. That's right. Yeah. To make extra money. And mm. most of them were yeah. you know, having a career as well 
yeah. doing a trade. Well, Bradman that. was pretty much the pioneer, really, when he was playing. He, he sort of got, you know, the first player really to get sponsorship, but yeah. from what I've heard. Yeah. 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 So with songs in 2001, so there was I'm a Believer. So that was from Shrek, wasn't yeah. it? I, I love that movie because I've I got an old mate. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that movie and I saw Shrek living yeah. alone in, in a swamp and doesn't like people around him, I thought, that's my mate Dickie. So I went around to his place in the following day. Yeah. Uh, I said, how are you going, Shrek? <laughs> and he's going, what are you calling me Shrek for? So I explained what the movie was about. Yeah. And I said, that, that's what I thought of you, Shrek. He said, <laughs> you're right, yeah, because he does live near a swamp yeah. in the middle of nowhere and he doesn't like people. <laughs> so he really liked that, being yeah. called Shrek. Yeah. Uh, this Shrek's a famous, um, it's a common nickname for a lot uh, of sportsmen too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there was Thank You by Dido. Oh, yeah, from the, from the, from the mm. No Angels album. That's right, that, yep. That, that was the second highest seller mm. in 2001. Yep, and with yeah. films, there was Lord of the Rings and yeah. Training Day and Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On Australian TV, we had Big Brother. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. and we got introduced to a new legend in Australia, Russell Coit. Russell Coit. <laughs> yeah, yeah All right. Australian adventures. And there was a lot of the, the Crocodile Hunter series was big then too. Yeah. Yeah. But no old Russell Coit. That was, <laughs> yeah, he was a classic that making out that he knew everything about surviving in the bush and yeah. always screwed it up. It was funny. Yeah, played by the great Glenn Robbins at, yeah. you know, in the series from um, Uncle Arthur. Yeah. And it was written by um, oh, Tom Geisner. Mm. That, that, that show was created and written by Tom Geisner, which is still going. Yeah. He's still going today with Have You Been Paying Attention? Oh, he's, yep. He's been around for decades in um, writing comedy shows. And you know what I think's going to happen, though? Uh, a lot of these comedies now are going to die off. You reckon? Yeah. Because things like, because, you know, there's too many complaints now about, you know, political correctness. And, like, what's the name of that comedian? Um, the one who plays uh, Charnay and, you know, oh, he's an Aussie guy. Yeah. Uh, Summer Heights High, you know that oh, one? Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Chris Lilly. Yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but he's, he's not, I don't think he's funny. Yeah. I don't think he's. Yeah, well, that first series he had, he was funny. Yeah. You know, the, the one that <laughs> made it, like, it was about Australian story. Yeah. Sort of took that off, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's sort of a, yeah, I hope it doesn't stop because it just means mm. that 
Yeah, there's just so much other, like yeah. all, all these other shows, criminal shows. Mm. They're basically all the same. Yeah. And, and even local productions like Home and Away and Neighbours, mm. they're just a recycled story over and oh, over again. Yeah. Just 20 re- years past the years by date. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I like... Um, I, I like Dido when she came onto the onto the track and the number one song in Australia was Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Ryans. Oh, Coyote Ugly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she was sort of, she came over, for, it was sort of a, I think she was a yodeler singer. Oh, okay. And, and yeah, she was. Yeah. She was a country singer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... It was like Faye Phil, you know, she's a country singer, but she she turned into a lot of, um, you know, pop and rock and same with Shania Twain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because... Yeah. yeah. well, America was... Look, country music is still big in America, mm. but to break the... To get up to the world stage, you have to go more pop. Yeah. So I think that's when, you know, when they tried that. But, you know, mm. Shania Trains had more more success with that than, yeah, that's than right. Leanne Ryan's. Mm. Yeah. Okay, it must be quiz time. She, she's nattering away there. She had a great old <laughs> time. You'll hear us. You'll keep your um. voice down, Libby. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're trying to. I don't know whether you guys are going to hear us much. Yeah. Okay. Question one. <coughs> what was the name of the Aussie female golfer who compete, who completed a career Grand Slam in women's golf, and she won the LPGA Championship? So when she won the LPGA Championship. Oh, that again. What was the name of the Aussie female golfer who completed a career Grand Slam in women's golf when she won the LPGA Championship? Okay, that was in the year 2001. Mm-hmm. Right, next question. What country caused an upset in the Davis Cup final defeating Australia in Melbourne? Mm-hmm. What country caused an upset in the Davis Cup final, defeating Australia in Melbourne? Oh, next one. Last one. What German boxer put an end to Anthony Mundin's world title aspirations by knocking him out in the 10th round of the world title title bout in Germany? Sorry. Mm-hmm. What German boxer put an end to Anthony Mundin's World t- title aspirations by knocking him out in the tenth round of the world title bout in Germany. Okay, thanks, Livy. We'll reveal the answers to- towards the end of the episode. Right. So let's talk about some sport that happened in the year two thousand and one. So yeah, Australia's cricket tour of India, and this has been regarded as. Uh, well, less than the top three greatest cricket series of all time. Yeah. This was a time when Australia was just beating teams in their sleep, you know, and they were on a they were led by Steve Waugh. Yeah. They uh, they'd won fifteen consecutive Test matches, 
So they went to India and they hadn't won a test series in India for over 20-odd years. Uh And, yeah, they won the first test easily by 10 wickets. Adam Gilchrist and Matt Hayden. Yeah. Yeah. Both hit wonderful centuries. So, you know, 16 consecutive tests win, test wins. The next test was in Calcutta. Um. And Australia batted first, you know, got about 474 and got India out cheaply, you know, for about 170. They'd, they had a, bit, had a lead of about 290-odd. Um. But Steve Waugh, one of the most silliest decisions of all time... He uh, decides not to enforce the follow-on. Yeah. So he made um, he made India. Well, he didn't force the follow-on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So he made India bat again. Yeah. And in those conditions, cardinal sin. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it came back to bite them big time. Yeah. And it was like headingly eighty-one again. Yeah. So what happened? They had um, India. You know, got about the first four wickets pretty cheaply. Yeah. They got uh, the great Session Tendulkar out early. Yeah. So you think, oh, they're going to wrap it all up. Yeah. But then, oh, boy, BVS Laxman, and he, he had different he had a different idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, he batted brilliantly and scored 281 runs. And Rahul Dravidi scored a tonne. And yeah, and then India, India's Harbhajan Singh. He got 13 wickets for the match, bowled India to victory, and Australia lost. <laughs> the unlosable Test match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but geez, oh gosh, that was just a brilliant innings. Mm. And uh, but then yeah, Australia went on, lost the next Test in a close match, and they lost the series two-one. Yeah. And India just went berserk. Yeah. yeah, the whole whole of India, I think, came to a standstill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think you know, I just don't agree with teams enforcing the follow-on. Yeah, yeah. I just you're just dicing with danger, uh, especially against India, uh, Indian conditions. Uh, it's good to be aggressive, but comes a time, you know, you one up in the series. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they were just thinking, oh, we want another test victory, make it 17, and uh, came back to bite them hard. Uh, yeah. So the follow-on follow rules are? Well, what it is, um, if a team, like who bats, so say a team bats first, right? Yeah. They get 400 runs. Yeah. And then the next team bats and they get, say, uh they're more than 200 behind when they're all out. So say they get all out for about 150, yeah. right? The uh, the team, the batting team, you know, yeah. The, yeah, the team that was just bowling who got the team out for 150, they can ask the team to bat again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's totally up to them. Yeah. But so, so, so what's the advantage of that? Well, I don't think there, there's any, you know, the advantage of um, batting against. So say if Australia, Steve Wall said, oh, you know, no, nah, we won't force a follow-on, we'll, keep, we'll bat our second innings. Yeah. Well, what you're doing, you, 
you're batting the other team out of the match. Yeah. yeah. So, so that uh, lead of 290-odd could have turned into about 500, 600. So forcing the follow-on mm. means that where you were normally going to the second innings where the team mm. that batted first in the first innings yeah. were back the second, but yeah. they're asking them to... Yeah. Do the follow on so they're versus forfeiting. Yeah, they're batting. Yeah, for the second. They still bat their second innings after the other teams batted theirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but they've got to be. They've got to have a lead of two hundred or more in the uh, first innings. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's just you look at the Test matches Australia's lost. Yeah. Uh, Headingly 81, forcing the follow-on. Yeah. You know, all it takes is for a big partnership, yeah. you know, and um, like the Laxman-Dravid partnership and yeah. game on. Yeah, because at, fir- at first they can send it that they mm. can send it they're having a, a poor day. Yeah. And then and then they had the follow-on and then they'll, you know, yeah, get their second wind. And, and the thing is, too, yeah, well, that's right. Generally, in the second innings, the team will bat better. Yeah. You know, probably nine out of ten times, the team will bat better in their second innings than their first innings. Yeah. If they're asked to follow on. Yeah. Right? But what it does, too, it gives your bowlers a rest. So yeah. if you enforce the follow on, well, the bowlers, mm. got, they've got to keep bowling. Yeah. Right? They, don't get a, they don't get a break. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, like fast bowlers, yeah. yeah. Um, and what about torture? And what about the way that they calculate mm. the score if the, it's been you know, rained out? Part of the series has been like a a test series has been. Well, if it's been rained out, yeah, yeah, so it just becomes a draw. Yeah, yeah. They don't get a result in five days. Yeah. yeah. No, but like if they if they're into if they've done the first day off, so then it rains a lot, mm. and then that then they work it out the time that it's taken, mm. the rain's taken away. Yeah. In overs, then they recalculate what the target is. Yeah. And in some cases, it can go to the advantage of the one losing. Yeah, well, that's right. Which I, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what happens in one-day games. They use a system called the Duckworth-Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, don't ask me, Glenn, how they work it out. Cause yeah, yeah, you good. need to be an Einstein to work it out. Uh, yeah, the, the, There's the, a lot involved. The Billy Birmingham, the 12th yeah. man series, he was sort of have. He, Having um, done a bit of an explanation on that, yeah. how they do it. Well, generally it favours uh, the team batting second. Yeah. So they brought it in when the 1999 World Cup was on. Yeah. And, yeah, they it's a system they've pretty much stuck with since, you know, they tried all these other ones before that. Yeah. Then you had that debacle in the 92 World Cup where um, – the semi-final England and South Africa yeah. and it was a really close game and South Africa were batting yeah. they had a really good chance of getting this total yeah. but the rain just stuffed up their chances and then yeah. when they came on they had to get 22 runs off something off one ball 
Yeah. You know? So uh, it's, it's very technical how they work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and in some cases it seems a bit unfair. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if right, you're, you're playing a sport which is outdoor. Yeah. You don't have control over the weather conditions. No, that's right. If it rains, mm. it rains. Yeah. They just work. Mm. They calculate. Look, I went to a 2020 international a couple of years back. Yeah. Australia and South Africa, and it was bucketing down rain. Yeah. And but when it stopped, you know, and they ended up, it turned into a 10-over game. Yeah. So I think they work it out by the amount of time lost, and yeah. from that they can work out how many overs oh, were lost. Oh, the, and the, 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 yeah. yeah, compared to the current rates and mm. and how many spanners in a yeah. sitcom set. How, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, very, it's, yeah. Very, it's very confusing. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, Australia won the Ashes in England, four tests to one later that year. And, but they haven't won an Ashes series in England since. Oh. And uh, Steve Waugh, I remember in that last test at the Oval, because he missed the test match before, um, yeah, he scored a courageous 100. Yeah. Um, pretty much on one leg. I remember he, he tore a calf injury. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, oh, geez, we go to the rugby league now. <laughs> Parramatta, they had a great year. They won the minor premiership. So they lost only four out of their 26 games for the season. Yeah. And they were just phenomenal. Yeah. Know? They were winning games every week by 40 points. Yeah. Um, they were breaking – they broke the record for the most points in a season by a club with 943 points. Wow. Um, and I remember at the start of the year they signed Jason Taylor. And he was a you know good halfback. He played for uh, North Sydney and yeah, um, you know really good goal kicker. Yeah, and yeah, I was there the day when they were playing the North Queensland Cowboys when he broke the record. I was standing behind the goalpost there in the crowd when he because he needed you know like one point, no two more points to break the record. Yeah, and he yeah he um, scored a try and then kicked a conversion and, yeah, the whole, you know, pretty much most of the crowd ran out onto the field and congratulated him. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he became the greatest point scorer in the history of the competition and Parramatta won the minor premiership by five points and they went on and I remember the, uh, in the preliminary final they beat the Broncos and, you know, all the... I was living there in the middle of Parramatta and all the horns are going off on the street, uh, you know, celebration time. Yeah. We're going to win our first premiership and <laughs> like since 1986. Yeah, but, oh, God, it all fell apart in the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> and they lost the New- Newcastle Knights, um. 30 points to 24, and they were down 24 nil after 32 minutes. Yeah. And I remember I was with a mate and he was a big para fan too and yeah. we, um, you know, we, we walked to Parramatta RSL. We watched it on the big screen there. Uh, we thought, oh, yeah, yeah, we're a big chance, you know. Yeah. This is it. Oh, and it just... <laughs> I think, yeah, once I got the 
24 nil, we just we just walked home. <laughs> oh, no. No. There's no coming back to me. No, it was oh, it was just a it was a nightmare, you know. And Andrew Johns and Ben Kennedy, you know, they starred for the Knights and you know, Parra came back a bit in the second half, but they were never gonna win. Yeah. But you know, they go on that it was a big upset, but I don't think it was. Yeah. Because that Newcastle side, you know, they, they had an awesome team. Yeah. You know, that Andrew Johns, one of the greatest players of all time. And yeah, so, you know, it was disappointing that they lost, but mm. yeah. Um, you know, I, I much more prefer to get beaten by Newcastle than, you know, by the Broncos. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Newcastle. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, it's not a bad place, yeah, I'll be on Newcastle. Place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Queensland won the state of origin, 2-1. Um, this was after Queensland were allowed to bring Alan, Al, Alan Langer back from England to play in the deciding match at ANZ Stadium in Brisbane. Yeah. They won 40 points to 14. And they were coached by Wayne Bennett. So Wayne Bennett, he's Alfie Langer, he was playing for uh, Halifax in England, I think. It was either Halifax or Warrington. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was all locked up for the yeah. final game and, you know, he made a phone call. Oh, you know, yeah. I need you to come out and play halfback. Yeah. And, but, you know, I th- would that have been allowed if it was the other way around? You know, if uh, New South Wales were allowed to call on a player over the other side of the world and bring him over? I don't think so. Yeah. So, so why do you think they did it? Well, because for State of Origin to be successful, they need yeah. Queensland to go well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the year before in 2000, yeah, New South Wales flogged Queensland. Yeah. 3-0. They won the third game by about 50-odd points. Yeah. And, you know, they thought, oh, alarm bells here. Mm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it worked. And... This was, uh, they were building the, redeveloping Suncorp Stadium at the time. Oh, yeah. Lang, the old Lang Park. Yeah. And, you know, up at Mount Cravat, you know, where that ANZ Stadium is there, the yeah. old Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the Broncos used to play. Oh, yeah. They played there for a while. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where that match was at. And they, they played some of the origins there. Uh, yeah, so we go to the tennis now, and Aussie Leighton Hewitt, he won the US Open tennis title, beating the great Pete Sampras in the final, 7-6-6-1-6-1. And, yeah, later on the year, he won the tennis masters title in Sydney, and he claimed the world number one spot. Yeah, so... Yeah, he was sort of, you know, Leighton Hewitt early on his early on in his career. You know, I think a lot of the public didn't like him much, just because he was a bit brash. And yeah. but all, I always I adored him. <laughs> I loved his hunger. Yeah, you know, and his tenacity and uh, the come on and yeah, yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah, um, you know, because he wasn't a big guy. You know, and he. You just think, like, if he had a really good serve, um, he would have won more Grand Slam titles. Yeah. Yeah, because he had everything else. 
Yeah. You know, the speed across the court, the ground shots. Yeah. Yeah. Just that will to win, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pat Rafter, he lost the Wimbledon final in an epic five-set match to unseeded Croatian star Goran Ivanisevic. Mm. And he lost the last set 9-7. And the Croat, he became the second unseeded champion. Yeah. But he was no mug, you know. He'd been in a few Wimbledon finals before. Uh, and he was runner-up, so uh, he knew what it was all about. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, oh, that was heartbreaking, you know. <laughs> it just it was so close. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rafter was that close to winning. Yeah. Uh, so he he was runner-up two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, some matches going on mm. hours on end, like... Oh yeah, how they do it, just yeah. back and forth, back and forth. No, he was he was great. Yeah. Rafter, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. In rugby union, the Wallabies defeated the All Blacks for the first time in Dunedin, <laughs> the House of Pain, twenty three the fifteen. Yeah. I think this is the last time the Wallabies have ever won on New Zealand soil. Yeah, yep. And but, yeah, they went on to beat the British and Irish Lions. In their deciding match in Sydney, twenty nine to twenty three, I remember I was in a um, a Mexican restaurant with some guys I used to play cricket with, and we were listening to that on the radio the last couple of minutes, and yeah. oh boy, it was exciting. Yeah. And it got down, you know, with about a minute to go, and and the, the British and Irish Lions in England they had this a five eight called uh, Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. And he, he'd just kick him from anywhere. You know, he was a freak. Yeah. Yeah. He'd kick the ball, over, you know, he'd, he'd get field goals in his sleep, this bloke. Yeah. And, yeah, the uh, the lines were, like, right on the Wallabies line. Mm. And they had a line out. So you just think, oh, you know, we're stuffed here. Yeah. And, yeah, Justin Harrison, he was a hero for yeah. the Wallabies. He... Stole the line out from the lines. Yeah. And uh, I remember the great Chris Handy, you know, the commentator. Yeah, he goes, I'll call him Justin Harrison, you good thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just won the match. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they'd been flogged in the first game. Yeah. And they came back in the second game and won that. And then, yeah, the third game was just, you know, it was just seesawing match yeah. could have gone either way and yeah and captain john eels and coach rod mcqueen they both retired on a winning note mm. and go to swimming now and the aussies swept the pool in the world swimming championships in fukuoka in <laughs> japan <laughs> fukuoka <laughs> and they actually beat the usa for the first time in the gold medal tally yeah. That was the first time since the Melbourne Olympics, 1956. Mm. Yeah, so the women won four gold medals. Um, they would have had five, but instead they were stripped of one. Mm. When, uh, yeah, they, they actually won the four by 200 metres relay. Yeah, it was a medley relay, I think. Uh. No, it was a, yeah, the freestyle, sorry. Um, but three of their members jumped in the pool to celebrate. Yeah. But one of, I think it was the Italian swimmer, she hadn't finished the race yet. 
Uh, so the rules are you got to wait till all the competitors, all teams have actually finished yeah. before you can, you know. Yeah, so because they jumped in the pool, yeah. all that actual race was over, yeah, they got disqualified. Uh, I remember they were being interviewed at the time and they were, you know, oh, this is wonderful, we won, and then they saw the scoreboard <laughs> flash up, yeah. Australia disqualified, and oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Grant Hackett, he smashed the world record in the 1,500 metres. Mm. He took about seven seconds off Kieran Perkins' world record. Yeah. Yeah, he, his time was 14 minutes, 34 seconds, 56. Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. I struggled to run, run it in that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, the joy of the Swimming World Championships turned to gloom when mm. the Socceroos lost to Uruguay in the uh, World Cup qualifiers, uh, going down 3-0 in Montevideo in Uruguay. Yeah, so, but U- Uruguay, they're no mugs, you know. They've won a, two World Cups. Mm. They're only a small nation, but, you know, yeah, they're very, very good uh, soccer side. Yeah. Um, yeah, five years later we had re- no four years later we had revenge, yeah. and we uh, beat Uruguay oh, yeah. penalty shootout. And we yeah. qualified for the World Cup. Oh, yeah. So yeah, karma came their way. <laughs> <laughs> and in AFL, Brisbane Lions defeated Essendon in the AFL Grand Final, hundred and two to eighty two. Mm. They became the first merged club to win the title. Yeah. And Ethereal won the Melbourne Cup, trained by Sheila Laxon and jockey Scott Seymour. And I, uh, I picked it that year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I remember yeah. these are the days where the Caulfield Cup was a good guide, you know, for the Melbourne Cup. And I remember Ethereal won the Caulfield Cup and I thought, yeah, yeah. I'll back it in the, for the Melbourne Cup and yeah. won. But, yeah, no, it's, it's like a lottery now. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to pick now, the Melbourne Cup. Mm. Yeah. So what what happened in motorsport in 2001, uh, Glenn? At Phillip Island, it, it, that year that, that, yeah, I call it the pitch and pass. Uh, yeah? Phillip Island because the Italians came first, second and third. Oh, yep. Led by Valentino Rossi, mm-hmm. Max Biaggi and Lois Lois. Capriata. Yep. So that was Honda. Valentino was on a Honda. Max BAG was on a Yamaha. Mm-hmm. And Lois was on a Honda as well. So that was that was an interesting race. So the yeah, the strains didn't come didn't come across the finish line until about seven or eighth place. Yeah. In that race, okay, and in Bathurst, where um, well, Mark Ambrose was a pole position, but the but the but the race was the race was won by Mark Scave. Oh, yep, and Tony Longhurst. Yeah. They're still racing, aren't they? Mark Scave and Tony Longhurst. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know if they're doing as much as I used to. Mm. Yeah. I I've heard that I don't quite mind this, but I've heard that Mask Ace is sort of he does selected races. Mm. But yeah, you know, he's more on the management. Yeah, it's like so the tennis players, you know. Once their career gets on, they, you know, it was like yeah. Leighton Hewitt and yeah. Serena Williams. She does the same, you know. They yeah. just pick and choose what what titles, what tournaments they're going to go into. Yeah, yeah. This is why she's never world number one, Serena Williams. Although yeah. she's probably, you know, the best tennis player, female tennis player in the world. Yeah, she's never, never been world number one. She hasn't been world number one for quite a while, I think, yeah. because, you know, she only plays a handful of tournaments, really. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, Livy. Any? I think it might be the answers, answers for the quiz now. Question number one. Did I wake you up, did I? No. <laughs> <laughs> You've been there on, going... Question one was: What was the name of the Aussie female golfer who competed, who completed a career Grand Slam in the women's golf when she won the LPGA Championship? The answer to that question is Carrie Webb. Carrie Webb, Aussie Carrie Webb. Yeah, so it's weird because with the women they have five majors and the men have four. But there, there has been talk for a year about the men having five majors. And there's that tournament in uh, Florida, which they consider the fifth major. Um, it's not actually considered one. Yeah, so have to wait and see what happens there. Yeah, next one, Livy. What country caused an upset in the Davis Cup final, defeating Australia in Melbourne? The answer to that question is France. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They imported a grass court into Melbourne Park. Yeah, uh, where they've the Australian Open, yeah, the Aussies uh, still lost. Uh, it, yeah, just, just had to, just rewinding a little bit. Yeah, um, but the AFL Grand Final that's that's just got been played in mm. Queensland for the first time. Apparently, they shipped up and put around the the um, edge of the oval mm. the same grass. Is that they play on the MCG? Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez, it's clever how they do that, eh? Yeah. So they yeah, trucked up all this turf. I I, I don't know what yeah. brand of turf it was, but I just heard was a way that mm. they actually replaced the turf in the outer field. Yeah. To be the same as in the MCG. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, look. This is, I'm not a fan of, in cricket, like these dropping wickets. Yeah. You know, because, uh, like, they've been doing this in Melbourne, you know, for a while now. And the Melbourne test match has just been a joke. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, the, the pitch has just been dead and it's just been a run fest, you know. Yeah. yeah it wasn't too bad last season, but um, the last Boxing Day test, but... Oh, gosh, yeah, a couple of, you know, yeah, for about three or four years there, eh? it was just it was a joke. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Okay, Livy. Mm-hmm. Right. What's the f- do the third question now? What German boxer put an end to the to Anthony Mundine's Mundines? Yep. That's right. World title aspirations by knocking him out in the tenth round of the world title bout in Germany. I might have to help you with the name for this bloke. Sven Otke. That's right, Sven Otke. <laughs> yeah. So Anthony Mundine, he's he was a uh, famous rugby league player, but then he be- turned into a boxer. Yeah. Yeah, his name Mug, you know, like he won a couple of world titles, I think. But uh, this was early on in his career. Yeah. And he went into boxing, I think, in 2000. Because yeah. his dad was a famous boxer, Tony Mundine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's always been very controversial, Anthony Mundine. Yeah. You know, I remember the 2001 with the terrorist attacks. Yeah. You know, he was there on the Today Show in the morning on Channel 9 saying, oh, you know, America yeah. deserved this and, yeah. oh, and he just, you know, you just wonder, but why, like, is this bloke educated, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, he had this big running uh, feud with Jeff Fennick. Yeah. Yeah, they just despised each other. Yeah. And after this fight, when Sven Oki knocked him out, yeah, because you know, Mundine, he was, he thought he was Muhammad Ali, you know, with all these trash talking and yeah. you know, before the fights and um, yeah, but you know, but he with when Otki knocked knocked him out, you know, he was lying there and unconscious and and then yeah, I think it was on the Today Show. It might have been no, it was on um, a current affair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget who it was now. It might have been Tracy Grimshaw or one of those. You know, she was interviewing both uh, Anthony Mundine and Jeff Fennick at the same time, oh, yeah. and they're both sledging each other and abusing each other. And um, Jeff Fennick's calling Anthony Mundine Sleeping Beauty because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he was the way Otki knocked him out. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think he's at his last fight now, Monday. I think finally he's decided to call it a day. <laughs> so with our next episode, we're going to do it on, uh, we're going to cover sporting nicknames. Yeah. Yeah, and look at uh, sporting team names too, some of our favourite clubs and yeah, which ones, you know, I find most appealing and yeah. In Australia, a lot of people are known more for their nickname than mm. the actual name. Yeah. And uh, and one of our afternoon announcers on the radio, he's married to a Russian. He's got a Russian wife. Oh, he's lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 Has she, he got any mates? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, probably. But... Yeah, but she's precise and always calls him by his first name. Yeah. But last week she sent through a text to him. Yeah. Saying, oh, Bags, can you bring up, can you bring some milk home on the way home from work? And yeah. he's going, why is, she, why is she calling me Bags by my nickname? <laughs> but in, instead of dealing with it on mm. when he got home, 
he waited till a couple of days later yeah. and did a live on air while, oh, while okay. 200,000 people are yeah. listening to it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just that, yeah, she's got to know the, um, yeah. the, the culture of Australia. Yeah. Like, yeah, like people that I've known for years and years mm. and I have to stop and think what their real name is. Yeah. Because I'll call him Simsy or Monksy or Shirty or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What's your first name? So, mm. yeah, nicknames are big. Well, it's like in Thailand. Yeah. You know, a lot of um, they're called after their nickname yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Because their real names are the. 20 letters long or. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but, but may seem like in English, they're. Their Thai name mm. may mean something else. Yeah, that's right. Might like sound like a male's name when the yeah when the female it may sound excuse me sound like some product. Yeah. Well, I was just had this idea the other day because I um, heard of what the new Tasmanian yeah. NBL team is going to be called. Yeah. Yeah, the Tasmanian Jumping Jacks. Tasmanian That's fair income. That's what their nick, team's nick, nickname is going to be, yeah. the Jumping Jacks. Yeah. It's named after a type of ant. Type. So, uh, yeah, I thought that just got my mind ticking and, yeah, we could cover an episode on that. Mm. Okay, so but we're going to do our draw now. Yeah, for, but, uh, but he hasn't got the numbers, so we're going, yeah. to, <laughs> we're going to do a redraw of what we did in the last episode. We're going to play archery again. So he, he can't see the numbers. <laughs> but I will give him some numbers in between that we, the years that we haven't covered yet. Yep. And the, but also next that number, it correlates a line number. Right, eh? So we'll go from, okay, we'll go from line you got to pick between seven uh, and nine. Seven that's, and nine. That's an easy one. Yeah, Olivia, you want to come pick it? Between seven and nine. Eight. Eight. Right, Eighties, 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 eighties. No. 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2013, right, yeah. eh? <laughs> okay. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of Paul's Sporting Memories. And please check out my Facebook for posts on my sporting memories. Heaps going up every day. It's getting longer and longer and longer. I put up some the other day on uh, Wide World of Sports. So, it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from me, Glenn. And we look forward to uh, next episode. Yeah. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.